This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to a special edition of the iFanboy podcast, an interview with Gerard Way, writer of the Umbrella Academy. Hey, welcome to a special edition of the iFanboy comic book podcast. We're here because we have the opportunity to speak with Gerard Way, who's the writer of the Umbrella Academy, which is a new series from Dark Horse Comics, with art by Gabriel Ba and colors by Dave Stewart. 
Gerard was uh, nice enough to take some time out of his busy tour schedule with his band, My Chemical Romance, uh, to talk to us, to talk about the Umbrella Academy, where he wants to take it, the future of the series, his relationship with Grant Morrison, as well as some other great comic book chatting. So I had a great time talking to him. I hope you enjoy it. You know, typically we like to assume that not everybody reads every comic out there. And I always, right. I always like to hear from the creators, you know, kind of what is, you know, how, what is the Umbrella Academy? Can you describe it in, like, your own words or your kind of pitch for the Umbrella Academy? Yeah, it's, it's usually tough. Like, there was actually, I always refer to this really bad review the comic got, issue one. <laughs> um, and in the, in, the, in the review, like, in the first paragraph, he basically describes, like, everything I always want to read in a comic, <laughs> in, uh, which is uh, funny that he didn't like it. So. Um, but, uh it really it's it's a closet space alien comes to earth to save the earth um he becomes a wealthy entrepreneur um and adopts these he somehow knows that these 43 was the final number i believe <laughs> 43 um extraordinary individuals are born at the exact same moment um that just so happens to happen when Tuscan and Tom Gurney a champion pro wrestler um pins a space squid from Rigel X9 um, and uh, he adopts, he's only able to find seven of them, and he takes these seven and he adopts them, um, and he raises them really to be heroes. He doesn't raise them to be normal children, and he's a really terrible father because he's a space alien. So he basically, in essence, really messes these kids up um, and then goes and dies of a heart attack. So they're kind of estranged, um, 30 years old, disbanded a while ago, and now coming together again for his funeral. Um and uh, they learn some pretty bad news that the world is, is in fact going to end, but they don't know how. It's a pretty it's so. a pretty original concept, and like it's interesting that you're that you're publishing it through Dark Horse because when I first read the when I first read the first couple issues, I put it down. I said, you know, this is a book that belongs at Dark Horse. Um, that's you know when I was when I was like coming up with the idea. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was initially putting the proposal together. You know, was this is exactly the kind of book. For Dark Horse, and it's also the kind of book that Dark Horse doesn't have. Well, because because it's interesting because I, I when I read it, I pick up you know I pick up you know kind of threads of the X Men in terms of you know kind of a, a team that that lives together and has a history of the family. Um, right, I pick right. up I pick up bits of the Doom Patrol, but I also see right. you know, I see a pretty big you know Mike Mignola kind of Hellboy kind of universe kind of in terms of the the tone and the look and feel of the book too. Was that something you were conscious of or going for, or just kind of? Very, you know, yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. It's not someone. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Hellboy but it wasn't inspired, per se, for Umbrella Academy by Hellboy. Uh, my favorite Mignola piece is um, Amazing Screw on Head. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I own about three or four copies of that comic. There's certain comics, like The Biologic Show by Al Columbia, I own multiple copies of because um, just in, I always want to have one with me, and just in case I find somebody I think will enjoy it, I'll give them one. Um, yeah. And Screw on Head occasionally goes out of print as well as Al Columbia's work. So um, because it's only a single issue, it's harder to put out than a trade. Um so that was, you know, when I read that, I was like, man, this is like everything I want out of a comic. This is like exciting. I don't need to know who the hell these characters are. I almost don't care. I'm just having fun. Right. And um, there's so much stuff built into you as a comic reader, and Mignola taps into that. Um, now, Hellboy has an actual, like, continuity, and so will Umbrella Academy. But I definitely wanted uh, Umbrella Academy when it started to feel like continuity did not matter. You know? So so um, so in doing not, in doing the comic is that your approach is to do a bunch of single kind of like uh, groups of miniseries as opposed to one kind of long ongoing or yeah yeah, yeah. 
think groups of miniseries just like Hellboy. In that regard, it was very inspired by Hellboy. I love the way Hellboy comes out. I love the way the goon comes out. Yeah. I think it's brilliant to put together a piece of work, release them as single issues, and then a trade. Ultimately, your goal is to trade. So you're having, like, basically just trades come out. Um, and I find that to be really exciting. Right. And it's a great way to read comics. And it also means that the comic is only going to come out when the creator has something that they want to say. Right. Because that's one that's, you know, that's one thing that that you know a lot of the comic fans you know kind of the on the the diehard comic fans have felt you know kind of a lot of problems with is that these folks coming from outside of comics like you know Hollywood and music and stuff like that and right. creating comics and we get one two issues and then they go away because their the their real right. life gets in the way um, is that something right. that, is that something you're worried about or that you're trying to well you know, I mean yeah it, it, now is definitely the point where I'm half worrying about it so it's Scott <laughs> but I can assure you it has a lot to do with Scott Alley my editor. Um, yeah. He absolutely made sure this book was going to come out on time, right. you know. Um, and he 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 does things very far in advance. Um, you know, he makes commitments very far in advance, and he you know he schedules it out really good, you know. And he has great assistants working with him. The whole team's great. So, and luckily Gabrielle also happens to be like one of the fastest artists um, <laughs> I've ever seen, you know. So that definitely helps. He picks up my slack when I'm a little late. Yeah. If I am late on things, it's actually usually because the pages are so dense. Um, it's, it ends up not being because of the lack of time. Yeah. It's just that, number one, I don't have, you know, nearly as much experience, obviously, writing um, comics as a lot of authors writing comics have. But on top of that, what I'm trying to do each page, which is cram it full of ideas, is also, you know, making it so it's triple the amount of work per page. And, uh, I sit there and I don't, I don't think about a page sometimes for a day, right. you know, right. just to make sure it's perfect. And that's that kind of writing that I was inspired by, by Grant, you know, yeah. Grant's lucky in the regard where it just spills out of him. Yeah. Um, I have to really work at it. And, uh, you know, he has like hundreds of ideas per issue where you're just like, man, that could have been its own comic, but it's just one character right. in one page. So, so I mean, and you're you're the kind of the PR story about that you were going into this comic is the, that you tried to break into the comics industry and and wasn't weren't successful. Um, but as an artist, right. as an artist, that it's interesting that now you're in as a writer. Has that changed your approach to making comics, or do you feel as if you had a leg up over somebody who's never done it before because you kind of have an idea of the structure of the story? Or I, I did because you know, like when I was learning to do comics at SBA. Um, I learned from a lot of great instructors, and I learned everything about comics. I didn't just learn to draw them. Right. I found drawing at the time to be more enjoyable than writing, when in fact creating and writing is more fun to be than drawing. Um, being like the drawing that I like to do is the design elements and the dreaming up of things, right. and the design. And I I do lots of design. That's the most fun for me. Uh, right. Sitting there, kind of like working out problems and cooking it up and trying to figure out how to make something look special or fresh. Yeah. Um, that I really enjoy. So, um, I, you know, I, I definitely do approach it different than I would as an artist. And the funny thing is, the time that I was breaking in, I actually had a lot of editors that were fans of my work. It was a very different time in comics when I was graduating at State. It was a very bad time for comics. Right. Um, I definitely think if, you know, because it did get freelance work. So I, I think if it was now, I, I would have an easier time because my style is so quirky. Um, yeah, that I think more editors would have taken a chance on somebody like me, but at the time it was real brutal time for comics. Yeah, people people are taking more risks now than they were at the you know two thousand two thousand one period. Um, definitely, right. definitely. So is that is that something do you see down the road that you might want to tackle an Umbrella Academy miniseries doing both writing and art or? 
I think actually, you know, if I had my way, I would always have Gabrielle the artist. Cool. You know, um, I think there's a consistency to that yeah. that should remain for the entire run. Even if it's eight trades, ten trades, five trades, you know, yeah. I think it should always be Gabrielle. Um, I really can't see drawing it myself unless it was completely out of continuity. Right. Um, let's say like some weird kind of backup story that involved like let's say Space Boy at eight years old in outer space, like. I could see doing something like that that was supposed to look different from the comic, but I definitely always want it to be Gabrielle. Right. Um, and, I, you know, and, I, and I think there's a consistency to that. And yeah. He's learning these characters more and more every issue. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a big fan of continuity, so I can respect that, and I actually I really appreciate yeah. that idea. <laughs> but, um, but Yeah, you know, I like consistency in artists. You yeah. know, like some of my favorite issues of the Grant Morrison X-Men run was when Frank Quitely was consistently on it. Yep. And then... The story continued with different villain artists, and, and I love Chris Pachalo, you know, yeah. but yeah, I miss that quietly art. It, ju- it just got—it so, just, just got really frustrating when you saw the greatness of two people working together, and then it gets interrupted, you know. Right. It feels like a stutter interruption, and yeah. you know, I wouldn't want to draw. I, I do actually, however, I, I've just recently talked to Scott about potentially drawing something that's completely different from the Umbrella Academy. Cool. Um, and maybe like heavily inspired by like European comics or French comic artists. Um, yeah. Something very different, and uh, you know, doing it in a smaller format and being able to draw it myself. So I have been talking to him about a recent idea of that. But. Very cool. So, so, so when you walked away from comics in two thousand one and focused on music, um, you know, the kind of the famous quote is you kind of said, you know, fuck art. I need to get out there and see the world and, and do something. Mm-hmm. Um, is it you know, kind of now that you've kind of returned to comics, is this kind of like a you know, were you able to do that because of the success that you've had, or was it something you were always meaning to come back to art, like you know? I, I always knew I had to come back to it because even still, even all the years in the van, like I bring yeah. a sketchbook every tour. You yeah. know, we're talking back when we were sleeping on floors and catching pneumonia. I still pack a sketchbook in my book bag, right. and you know, and I was always drawing, always yeah. drawing, and yeah. I knew that's something I was never going to leave. I kind of met fuck, you know, when I said fuck art back then, it was more in a commercial sense, and <laughs> actually had very little to do with comics and more to do with um, corporations and yeah. options and television options and things like that and turning ideas into pillowcases and bullshit like that. Yeah. Like that was really what I found completely emotionally fucking fruitless. Yeah. So that really turned out from art. So um, coming into you know doing comics after having this establishment as the band, how does that affect the way that you're marketing comic? I mean, is this the kind of thing where you want you know fans of My Chemical Romance to be reading? Or... It actually makes marketing it a lot trickier, to be yeah. honest with you, because we want the book to survive not just get an initial push. Right. So we want it to survive, and we want it to survive on its own merits. Yeah. So we, it, you know, we don't want it to appear as a vanity comic. In fact, the only times the band name has appeared next to my name in regard to the comic have been for certain trade ads and, and things like previews, and that's right. been it. Um, and, you know, and that's where we kept it with Dark Horse. They were very happy to do that because they saw that I had something that was like, oh, it's a real comic, actually. It's not a vanity project, and he has a passion for this, and he has ideas, and he wants to take it like into eight series, and you know. So, um, so, and you know, we have to be actually extremely careful. It makes it trickier to market the book for sure. Um, right. Really, in a lot of ways, just got to kind of put it out. Right. Yeah, I mean, getting it out on time will be the key to the success. But like, it, were right. you, were you afraid of, or did people kind of because of the stigma of like, oh, here's a rock star moving in the comics? Do you think that people were hesitant to give it a shot, or you know, or more open to give it a shot? I think it actually. I think they were hesitant, but I think it actually worked to the advantage of yeah. the comic because the comic was so crazy, 
and fresh and bold and over the top. I think people were expecting something completely the opposite and just boring and like, you know, just me stroking myself for 22 pages. And I think that's they really expected. So from those first four pages, literally, I think it completely shattered with anybody who thought it was going to be. Yeah, and I, I got so to I I, I agree with that because, you know, going into it, I was like, you know, I was a bit hesitant and I was like, oh, well, it's this guy from this band with the, you know, with the eye makeup and blah, blah, blah. But then, right. you know, but then within the first, you know, couple pages, I realized that, wow, this is a universe that you, has been in your head that is really thought out. Um, and right. I was impressed yeah. by that. Yeah. So. Thank you. Yeah. And that's the idea. So, you know, that, that whole first four pages is really like a screening in a lot of ways. Like, as a reader, as a reader of comics, you, you either get it or you don't, and you know right away if this book's for you or not. Um, there's so much info just crammed right in there, and it's so easily fed to you right. that you get it. So if you, if you like it, then you're going to stick on it. But um, also, you know, it's a good screen in regards to people with preconceived notions of the book coming yeah. into it. You know, I really like, like, for example, I really respect Rob Zombie. I think he's actually an amazing director, um, and I love Halloween. Yeah. You know, um, I love Devil Reject, House of Thousand Corpses. I love it. I love what he does. He's really bold, he's risky, and he does what he wants. And that's somebody that um, I really looked up to in kind of going into this kind of endeavor where it's like, this is a guy that kind of beat the trend as far as um, what people thought going into his work. Yeah. Um, did you get a chance to check out that guy from Coheed and Cambria's comic, that Ar- Ar- Armory Wars? I have, actually. Yeah. We, um, we, I think that just came out, right? Yeah, it did, yeah, yeah. Um, um, we toured. We toured with them uh, on one brief tour, and I always knew he was a comics guy, but we never really got to hang out. Yeah. So, um, it's funny because it's funny because with you and with that guy and with the guy from System of a Down, it seems like a lot of right. the a lot of the music and comics are kind of starting to merge a little in terms of the appreciation of the art art form and the medium and stuff like that. So, right, um, it's pretty cool. Well, I think a lot of the people making music now were kind of comic geeks, and they yeah. were kind of kids in the back of the class. And I think that the music today is a product of that kind of frustration yeah. and ideas and creativity as opposed to like 80s hair metal where those guys, I'm sure a lot of those guys never read comics or sat in the back of a class. Right. And oh. and even that, that idea of creativity and, and I don't want to say melodrama, but just kind of, you know, kind of um, artisticness and, and deepness and message comes across in the in you guys as a band. So it's interesting, interesting to see, you know, kind of the same, is the same thought process used to create the comic or? Um, you know, it's very similar. I mean, it's inspired by a lot of the same things. The interpretation is completely different. Um, but, like, you know, I'm hugely inspired by, like, uh, Jeanne films and Fritz Lang and Terry Gilliam. That's yeah. for the music and videos as well. So that's definitely going to carry into the comics. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I want to be in the kind of world in some ways to feel like um, the world of delicatessen probably before the war hit. Uh-huh. Um, and kind of what that world would actually have been like if it had some more sense of structure. Yeah. And uh, and what would now then a superhero be like in let's say City of Lost Children? You know, what would a superhero in that world be like? He'd be pretty weird. Yeah, cool. So um, so you said so you've alluded to that there are future series for the Umbrella Academy. Is like what is your yeah. what is kind of your grand plan for this for the title? Um, well, you know, I, I as far as like straight up ones that have plot running through all of them, like I can go all the way up to eight right now, and wow, um, that's maybe one or two divergences thrown in there, but I do want to have fun in the sandbox, and um, I really want to have a couple series in there yeah. that are just straight up fun, and I think series two is going to probably lean more towards that. We're in an interesting spot, because series two 
what was planned for it was too heavy to drop in series two. Now me and Scott are big fans of never saving anything. <laughs> um, we always feel like, you know, and Grant had given me this advice too, like use all your ideas yeah. and then come with new ones. Um, but in order for what I wanted to happen to two to work, we have to kind of hold it off. So, um, to have the impact that it, it will hopefully have in a later series. So, um, now it's, it's interesting because Series 2 is completely open yeah. and it's completely anything I want it to be. And um, we initially planned to go right from Series 1 into Series 2 and hopefully that'll still happen, but I definitely now have to think of what Series 2 is exactly going to be. Yeah. And are you are you writing scripts on the road, like in the tour bus? Or? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's where I've gotten most of the script writing done is in uh, <laughs> tour bus or hotel rooms okay. backstage. Very cool, and 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 the plan is not to start releasing them until until like are all the issues in the can, or is Gabriel still drawing while issues are coming? Like, is the current series done? And no, he's, yeah, yeah. He, it's 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 very uh, you know white knuckle yeah. grab on and ride, and hopefully we're going to make the finish line. Uh, where you know, which we definitely will, but um, it's definitely like he gets the script, he draws it. Like yeah. we're putting him out already. He just finished. Um, he's in the process of finishing issue five. Yeah, I'm in the process of finishing writing issue six. Which is the last of the series, and um, so you're doing it. You know, old, you're doing it old, old school Marvel monthly kind of way, you know. Where he's, oh, yeah. pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's totally like you know, see your pants. Yeah. thing where it's like we're gonna make this deadline. Yeah. So. Cool. Very cool. So, um, so what other what other comics uh, have you been into recently? Have you checked out or artists or writers or stuff like what's been? Uh... Um, I'm trying to think. Well, I haven't. I haven't really gotten much of a chance. I mean. Uh, I, I find myself just really re- reading a lot of Grant stuff over and over again. Um, Grant Morrison, right? Yeah. Grant Morrison, yeah. yeah. And I always talk about him in the, every single interview. Um, he's he's a good friend of mine, and he helped me a lot through this yeah. process. Um, well, because Grant is like the Grant is like the rock star of comics. I mean, that's what we always call him. He is. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. You know, and he was just out at the show. We just played O2 Arena in London, and he came up to that, and yeah. uh, he and his wife. And it's always awesome to see them. He just loves. And us play a rock show, just like I love reading his comics, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it's really cool. So, um, but uh, I'm trying to think of like stuff I picked up recently or saw that that looked interesting. I mean, I like Walking Dead. Um, yeah. Hard to stay up on single issue wise anything. So yeah. that's that's my biggest problem. Uh, so you're re- you're really a fan, kinda, you're really a fan of the trade paperback format and the collection. I, I have to be, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I would buy more single issues, but I'm. I'm a fan of the trade because it's easier to buy one, take it on the road and read it as opposed to like right. collecting issues. Um, I love, um, all-star Superman. Oh, yeah. So, which is obviously another grant thing, but that's probably the, the biggest thing I like now currently. And I, again, have to kind of wait for collections. Right. But it's, it's worth it when you get it though. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Completely, man. I straight up like cried that issue was bad. <laughs> I never had a comic make me do that. Even when they, blew up robin yeah <laughs> so i really like the covers of umbrella academy uh, with the art by james gene how, how did you guys get hooked up how did you start working with him yeah james and i actually have a, a pretty cool relationship we met because he did an editorial piece yeah um on the band and that's actually how i got him to do umbrella academy yeah. um yeah, yeah those covers are those covers are perfect for that they're they're really, really they good. really are they yeah. really are um, thanks right. for, thanks for the time and have fun on your tour and um and we'll keep reading the book so keep keep, 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 right. keep putting it out <laughs>